Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, hey, Connect. Uh, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know typically at this point in the service, what we do is we like to continue our time of worship by talking about how we can give back to God as a form of worship and participate in His work. Uh, t- today, we're going to do things a little differently because giving just comes up in the message. It comes up in the text that we're looking at. So we'll just we'll talk about giving then. But I got to tell you, I'm so excited to share this message with you. I have been expecting, I've been hopeful, uh, couldn't wait until this moment for really a couple weeks now. So as we dive in, let's just pause, let's pray, and let's ask that God meets us and speaks to each of us in this time. Uh, Lord, you're so good. Thank you that we get to gather like this. Thank you that we get to worship you. What a privilege. And as we now prepare to open your word, we just ask that Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us, that you'd speak through me, that you would speak through scripture, and you would draw us closer to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Some little history you might not be aware of. So in 1858, gold was discovered in the Rocky Mountains. And over the next two and a half years or so, from the summer of 58 to the summer, or excuse me, the winter of 1861, about 100,000 people from the east packed up, moved west in hopes of finding gold, in hopes of uh, a new life for themselves, for their family. And uh, what the gold miners did is they set up this, this camp, this settlement, about six, or excuse me, not six, 12 miles east of the Rockies. Settlement is now Denver. And while all this happened like 160 years ago, the spirit of the Colorado gold rush or the Pikes Peak gold rush, it's called the both, both the things, uh, it really still characterizes many Coloradans today. Now, people aren't moving here because they're hoping to find gold, but many do move to Colorado in hopes of a fresh start. You'll ask people, oh, why, what brought you here? Oh, I just kind of wanted to do something new. I want a fresh start. While uh, the cowboy boots might have been traded for hiking boots, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, still a mantra for many of us. You see, from the outset, Colorado has celebrated the rugged individual, the one who works hard and doesn't need others, the one who can make a way for themselves. We've celebrated the rugged individual, and the rugged individual makes for a great movie, just makes for a horrible life. Uh, There's a bunch of research that's been done over the last uh, few years on loneliness. And most of the studies will do the research and basically just analyze like how many people live alone in any given city. And and living alone could result in loneliness, but you and I both know people who they live with family or roommates or someone and yet they're alone. We also know people who do live alone and yet they're not, they wouldn't say they're lonely. They've got great friends. They've got great community. The the thing about loneliness is that it doesn't discriminate. Anyone, any relationship status, people from any locality, rural, urban, uh, any socioeconomic status, anyone and everyone can be impacted by loneliness. And the crazy thing about loneliness is it actually can strike 
at any time. Grief, any major life change, even success can bring on a feeling of loneliness. And what, uh, in 2018, a group called CV Outreach, they did some data-driven research on loneliness. And they looked at what the former Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy, some of his work on loneliness, and they, they kind of captured some statistics that really put loneliness in perspective for us. Starting with two out of five of us in our country struggle with loneliness. Uh, loneliness actually causes adverse health effects on par with smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Think about that. Things like cardiovascular disease, shorter lifespan, dementia, anxiety, depression. Loneliness is actually worse for our health than obesity. And loneliness is an epidemic in that it can spread from one person to another. If one person is feeling lonely, it can actually kind of foster those feelings of loneliness in others. Loneliness can spread. And what the former Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, helps us understand is that loneliness is actually more than a feeling. It's more than a subjective feeling. It's closer to a, a transient human motivational state, something like hunger or thirst. It actually drives us. It motivates us to act a certain way. So here's all of that. What, what's happening here? Well, science is figuring out what God recognized and addressed in the very beginning. If you've been with us for this series, you remember reading Genesis 2. And in that, we read, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. It is not good for man to be alone. And yet, we hold up the rugged individual as the ideal. Uh, we try to keep to ourselves instead of asking others for help. We think, no one's going to tell me what to do with my time or my hard-earned money. The rugged individualism of the gold rust, is alive, uh, gold rust is alive and well, but it is destroying us. You see, you've probably heard Colorado's the fittest state, but Denver is the third loneliest city in our country. Behind Las Vegas in Washington, D.C. At least this is what that research group, CV Outreach, found when they did some extensive research and analysis on Google searches. A, a very common search, over 100 searches, things like, why do I feel so lonely? Struggling to connect. I feel so alone. The, the rate of loneliness in our city is actually three times the national average. It is not good for a man to be alone. Denver, we have a problem, and God has the solution. And God's solution to our problem is revealed in his word. And if you got a Bible, I would invite you to turn there with me. We read Acts 2 last week. We're going to pick up towards the tail end of Acts 2 today, Acts 2, 42 through 47, to see God's solution to our loneliness problem. If you need a Bible, you can, of course, uh, grab, you know, follow along in the app, take some notes there. And that whole outreach report that I was sharing from, it's all in the message notes as well. So if you want to do a deeper dive, you can. Now, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible can feel kind of intimidating at times. It's like, where do you start? What's it about? How do I make sense of this? Well, that's why we've been in this series for some time now, this epic series, because what we're seeing is that the Bible doesn't have to be intimidating. The Bible is simply the story of God, and it tells us how God wants to intersect our stories. And what we saw was way back at the very beginning, God created humanity for a relationship with him, relationship with one another, 
and to represent him to everyone, everywhere. Sin broke what God made good, including our relationship with him. So God sent Jesus and Jesus has since reconciled us, reconnected us with God so we can have a relationship with him. And what we saw last time in Acts 2 was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came upon the people of God and empowered them to share this story. Over 3,000 repented of their sin and were baptized. It was a party. And we got to party ourselves as Morgan decided to follow Jesus. And she was baptized just last week in the rec center pool. So you have a relationship with God. What does God want to do about the broken relationship with others? What is his solution to our loneliness problem? That's what we're going to see today. So picking up in Acts 2, 42 through 47, writes that, Luke writes this. They, being all these people, the 3,000 who just accepted Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the, the 3,000 people who repented of their sin and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sin, they're baptized in Jesus, they're followers of Jesus, what do they start doing? Well, they start to gather together and live life together because belief in Jesus and belonging in the church go hand in hand. At least that's how it works for God. Faith in Jesus actually brings upon adoption into God's family. Once estranged because of our sin, in Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. Belief in Jesus and belonging, they go hand in hand. It, connection with Jesus is really a communal experience. It's something we, we experience together. And yet, rugged individualism has seeped right into our spirituality. Now we'll hear people say things like, oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Uh, they know that there's, there's more to life. And yet, they don't want anything to do with the church. They're repelled by the church for one reason or another. And even Christians, you'll hear Christians say, oh, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I don't need the church. Because they had some experience that turned them off to the church. And you know what? For some, understandably so. There are priests, there are pastors, there are even parishioners who have done unspeakable things under the banner of the church, and it has hurt many. And that was never Jesus' vision for his church. Jesus' vision for his church is so much greater. Jesus doesn't hate the church. Jesus died for the church. In fact, for Jesus... You can't follow him apart from the church because followers of Jesus are the church. Church is not a building we go to or an event we attend. Church is people in relationship with God, relationship with one another, and then living on mission with God. We are the church. And while the church has been repelling for some, the church should be compelling for all 
because there is no community like Jesus-centered community. That's been my experience. It's been the experience of many of you. And I want to invite those of you who maybe have had a rough experience with the church or aren't familiar with the church to be open to the fact that there could be a healthy expression of community in the church. A compelling Jesus-centered community is what we see when we look at the early church. We just read it, but let me break it down for us because this is the kind of community, the kind of church we want to be. And it starts with things, well, starts with where things should start. A compelling Jesus-centered community connects with Jesus. A community is rallied around all kinds of different things, where people live, what they do for work, how they like to play, a, a whole bunch of different things. And that's good. That's, that's fine. Like, not a problem there. But the early church was distinctive because of who they rallied around. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching about Jesus. They took communion together to remember Jesus. They prayed to Jesus. I think back to my time at Colorado Christian University where whenever the president, Bill Armstrong, whenever he would address the, the student body, he would just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't, I don't have the same like gusto that he has. But you get the point. Like, we can gather, we're going to play together, we're going to live in the same neighborhoods, we might even work together, we're going we're gonna to live life in all these different realms together. But what makes us different from all the other communities is we rally around Jesus. We teach Jesus as the way to a relationship with God. We follow Jesus together in our groups. We remember Jesus when we come together by taking communion. And we pray to Jesus not just as a last resort, but as our first inclination, our first response. That's who we are. We're gonna be like the early church and we're gonna connect with Jesus. And like the early church, we've also gotta do the second thing, which is gotta connect with people. Verse 42 also said they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is church speak for hanging out. They just love being together. They ate together. They enjoyed one another's company. They enjoyed spending time together. They fellowshiped. It's the church word for hanging out. And I got to be honest, I love hanging out with you all. I love that this gets, to, this is our church. Like, you're my people. And when we're at the park, when we're worshiping like this, when we're at a home in a discussion, birthday party, it doesn't matter what we're doing. I just love being together. There's great joy in it. And like the early church, we gather publicly like this. We also gather in homes. Publicly, we gather for worship and for teaching. In homes, we gather for discussion and support and prayer. Engaging in community is critical to the life of a Jesus follower. Because in Scripture, there are over 50 one another's. It teaches us to bear one another's burdens, love one another, support one another, pray for one another. You can love Jesus all you want, but you're going to have a really hard time following him if you're not in some semblance of community because you can't one another yourself. You've got to live life alongside other Jesus followers. You've got to connect with other Jesus followers as you grow in your faith in Jesus. If you're exploring faith in Jesus or maybe you're following Jesus, 
and you want to connect in community, the best way we know how to do that is in what we call community groups. And I love uh, Chase and Hannah Mocha's story. They, they just moved here from Virginia at the start of the year. They started coming to connect. They came a couple of times on a Sunday and they wanted to get more connected. They wanted to make some friends. They just recently moved to the area and they went for it. They're like, yeah, we'll try out. We'll try out a community group. Hannah had been a part of a, a gr small group in her past at one point. Uh, Chase had never been in a group of any kind. So they're driving over to group for the first time. And I love this. Chase looks at Hannah and he says, so what are we doing exactly? I love that because that we've all been there. We've all wondered, like, what, what are we walking into? What is, is this going to be weird? And honestly, Chase said, he's like, look, I quickly realized I had nothing to be afraid of. We had a meal together. We talked about the Bible passage that I had preached on that previous Sunday. We encouraged each other. We prayed for each other. And he said, this was two months in, had lunch with him. He said, I can't wait for Tuesdays now. I love community group. And I asked him why, and he said, yes, I've, I've made friends. And he's like, also, I've grown in my faith like never before. It's because God created us as communal beings. And connecting in Jesus-centered community is key to growing in our faith. Now, one of the most radical things about the early church is that in this community that they experienced, they gave sacrificially. Uh, we read it in verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but you're thinking, I'd be thinking, oh, like, like they must have been doing a building initiative, like some capital campaign or something. No one actually like just lives that way. But what we see if we keep reading in Acts, this wasn't just a one and done experience. This was how they lived. At least... That's the way it appears. Check this out. Acts 4 says, 30, 32 through 45, or 35, excuse me. Acts 4, 32 through 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Giving sacrificially wasn't a, a one and done experience for the early church. It was how they lived, how they related with one another. And it makes sense. Like in light of the gospel, giving this way makes sense. It does not make sense to live that sacrificially, that generously, if you don't know Jesus. But if you know Jesus, it makes sense. God gave his one and only son. Jesus gave his life so we can have life with God. Now, not to earn anything, but purely as an act of worship, as a demonstration of our trust. We, as followers of Jesus, are called to live generously sacrificially generous. We are blessed to be a blessing, just like God promised Abraham way back in Genesis 12. His plan for his people was to bless them, to be a blessing to all people. And did you catch what the early church's generosity made possible? I love this. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Because they gave, the gospel was preached and the needs of the church were met. Can I, uh, can I have a little heart to heart with those of you who call Connect Home? If you're a guest, you can listen in, okay? But as your pastor, can I have a heart to heart with you? Some of you just don't know the story of how we got to where we are today. So let me share a little bit of that with you. When God called Amanda and I to move out to Colorado and plant Connect Church, we were living in Maine at the time, and it was a big step of faith for us because in stepping out, we had to say no to some incredible ministry opportunities. We had to say bye to my family and some really good friends, and I had to sell my surfboards. <laughs> Waves are horrible here, let me tell you. Believe it or not, they are better in Maine, and people do surf. That's a story for another time. But, you know, we step out in faith, and, and we're, we just want to follow God forward and be a part of whatever He has for us. And I've never been one who likes to fundraise. I, like, ran the opposite direction when we had to do that in school. I did not want to fundraise, and I don't like asking people for money. Maybe, maybe it's that rugged individual inside of me. I don't know. But... As we shared this vision that God put on our hearts to come out here and connect the disconnected, ultimately to a growing relationship with God, but also community with others in a place where people could use the gifts God's given them. When we shared this vision, we were overwhelmed. Friends, family, churches from around the country, a bunch of churches locally here were like, yeah, we'll support you. And they started to give sacrificially. Many of these people made a three-year commitment to give on a regular basis so that God's vision could come to fruition here in South Denver in the Front Range. So uh, we, we, we take this step of faith, and we're seeing God move, and it's incredible. And then seven months in, after we moved, five months after we launched our first two communities, we're not even meeting publicly for worship yet. COVID is. Same day, our second daughter, Chloe, was born. The World Health Organization made the announcement. And everything's shutting down. And that all the, all the preparation, the residency work, all of it, just goes right out the window. Like, there's no playbook for planting a church in a pandemic. And, and many of you, you were with us through this season. And what did we do? Like the early church, we prayed. We just prayed. And we asked God for direction and for His Spirit to lead us forward. And he did. We didn't always know what we were doing, but we, we did the best we knew how to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. And all the while, all through this time, God was faithful. He is so, so faithful. And those friends and family and churches who committed to support us, not knowing a pandemic was on the horizon, you know what they did? They faithfully gave. And many of you on our washing, you faithfully gave. And together, we were able to seek God's mission. Now, by God's grace, COVID's behind us. Amen. Why? So thankful that that is not the narrative of our everyday anymore. And yet, in the last month, we've been experiencing so much momentum. Not just month, like this whole year. It's been an incredible year. Last month, we've seen a couple people get baptized. Morgan, Ujwal. We have others who are looking to get baptized in the weeks ahead. We have more people connecting in community groups now than ever before. 
We have more people using their God-given gifts, as God has called them to do, and they're serving on teams, and they're making a difference, than ever before. We're seeing Jesus build his church. And people are being built up, and they're growing in faith. The, con- the disconnected are getting connected. It's incredible. Like, what a privilege that we get to be a part of God moving. And, and yet, we're not out of the woods yet. Remember those, those three-year commitments? Well, they, people faithfully fulfilled those commitments. And many went above and beyond. They gave well past their three-year commitment. But here's what we found. Since the beginning of 2023, our external funding has all but waned. It's gone way, way down. And that's normal. This is all normal for a church plan. The goal was never for people from around the country to support God's work here. The the goal was that God would work here and that work would be self-sustaining. And since that those the external funding has waned, what we have noticed is we've got a gap between our, our giving of our current our church family and our monthly expenses. And there's about five thousand dollar gap each month between what our church family is giving and our monthly expenses. Our our board, our staff has agreed upon a very lean budget. And we've been coming in under budget every month. We're very diligent. We're very intentional, strategic. We seek God on how do we invest whatever he entrusts to us. And just so you know, in the church world, kind of like in your own personal finance world, the wise financial practice is to have an emergency fund. Okay? So, just like for you, wisdom says three to six months is a great amount to have set aside for a rainy day. Right now, we've got two months set aside. Okay? We're not drowning. But we can't keep covering that $5,000 gap with savings. That'll eventually run out. Now, I share all of this with you because I love you. And if you call Connect Home, I, I want to respect you. Because this is your church as much as it's my church. And God has been faithful. He's been so incredibly faithful. He's been faithful all along. We continue to see that he's faithful. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, we see that God is faithful. I see no signs of God's faithfulness fading. All I see are more and more opportunities to connect the disconnected. And yet, we're in this spot as a church where those of us who call Connect Home, we get to rise up. We get to own it. We get to be a part of God's work in maybe a way that we haven't before. It's time for us to give sacrificially like the early church so that the gospel can continue to be preached and the needs, the very practical needs can be met. Amanda and I are all in. We are all in on connecting the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. I know many of you are all in too. If you call Connect Home, will you go on with us? If you call Connect Home, will you give like it? on a regular basis. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you personally, but I know someone who does. And I would just invite you to talk to God and ask Him something like this. God, how do you want me to give regularly back to you through Connect Church so your mission can continue to advance? God, how do you want me to regularly give back to you through the ministry of Connect Church so your mission can continue to advance? When you give, you can give in all the regular ways. Online, app, box and all, all the normal things. Many of you are giving. Many of you have been giving regularly. Many of you have been giving sacrificially. Thank you. Thank you. 
The cool thing is that when you give, it's just one of the ways that God invites you into his work. The lives we're seeing changed by the power of the gospel, by God's grace, when you give, you're part of that. It's just cool how he includes us in a bunch of different ways. Serving, giving, praying. Now, as we step out in faith together, I am expecting to see how those who are disconnected will connect with God, the church, and their purpose. Because that's what we've seen all along, that's what we've seen this year, and that's what I see on the horizon in faith. Because, like the early church, we're a church who gathers publicly. We're a church who gathers in homes. We're also a church who gives sacrificially so the gospel can be preached, so that needs can be met. And, like the early church, we're going to be a compelling Jesus-centered community that connects with Jesus, connects with people. And the third point is, connects people with Jesus. Back in, in Acts 2, 47, we see how God uses Jesus-centered community to connect new people to that community. Praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It had to have been incredible to be a part of this. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then he passed that baton, that mission, to his followers. And now they're seeing it come about. And like the disciples, we follow Jesus. And now we carry Jesus' mission. And while we can't save, God saves, we can seek. And like the early church, oh, we're going to seek. We're going to seek every. One. Listen to how the early church did this. So they experienced some opposition, some persecution, way worse than COVID, okay? Even if some, some called that persecution, I think we all went through that together. It was rough for everyone. Um, but this is some like, legit persecution that the early church faced. And listen to how they respond, okay? People were getting like, thrown in jail and stuff. And listen to how the church responded. This is from Acts 4, 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When they experienced opposition, when they experienced persecution, you know what the early church didn't do? They didn't pray for comfort. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't even pray that the persecution would stop. They prayed for boldness to share the gospel. Confession. I'm real good at praying for comfort. I'm real good at praying for safety. I want to be like the early church. I want to courageously pray for boldness. Boldness to love the one far from God. Boldness to bless them. You know, we begin with prayer. We listen to them, we eat with them, we serve them, we share Jesus with them. I want boldness to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. That's what I want to pray for. Because like the early church, we're going to be a church who prays for boldness. Boldness to seek the one, to love them well, to bless them, and to connect them with Jesus. Now, Jesus promised that he was going to build his church and he commissioned his followers to go and make disciples. Jesus is building his church. We're going to take him at his word and we're going to go do what he called us to do by the power of his spirit. We're going to go make disciples. Now in an area of rugged individualism and the resulting loneliness, 
We're going to be a church that's not repelling to those who are attracted to Jesus. We're going to be a church like the early church. That's compelling. Connects with Jesus. Connects with people. Connects people with Jesus. And like the early church, we are a church who prays first. Boldly asking God for opportunities to share Jesus with those who don't yet know Him. We're a church who loves everyone, starting with the person right in front of us and stretching us to love the one far from God. We're a church that unites together, rallying around what matters most, the gospel, and rallying with other area churches so that together we can work as a team to reach our city. We're a church who serves humbly. We seek to serve, not to be served. We're a church who gives sacrificially, trusting God with our personal finances and His church's finances. We are a church who multiplies for impact, making disciples who make disciples. Jesus valued these things, the early church valued these things, and Connect Church, we value these things. After all, the church is not a building you go to or an event you attend. We don't even go to church. We are the church. Amen. We are the churches. We connect with Jesus. And we connect with each other. And we connect people with Jesus. That's who we are, Connect Church. And as the church in South Denver, we're going to eradicate loneliness in Jesus' name. Because there, salvation is found in no one else. First, there is one name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus saves, and there is no community but Jesus-centered so Jesus we come before you and we ask that you would give us that passion that fight to, to live boldly you gave your life for us would we live like it would you make us a people of prayer a people who love a people who unite a people who serve so humbly and live Sacrificially and generously, God, would you multiply what you're doing? Not for our glory, for yours. We want to see many more people come to saving faith in you, Jesus. And we know that you want that even more than us. And while we live in a lonely area right now, would it not be that way in five years, ten years, fifty years from now? And would it not be that way because of what you do in and through us? While their other needs might not be apparent, this need for connection is very apparent in our neighbors, in our co-workers, in our family members, in our friends. And we would just ask, in your name, Jesus, that you would eradicate it for your glory. Would we be a community that is centered on you? And would it be for the good of those around us? We ask this in your name.